0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Get to the Contest Small Business Podcast. Now, today, we've got a really special guest. We've got someone that knows just about everything there is to know about tax, my business partner, Jeremy Fox. And we're going to be having a chat about what small business owners need to do for tax planning to optimize their tax and things they should get in place before 30 June uh, to make sure that they get the best tax results. Jeremy Fox, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, we good to be here. So, now at this time of year we're seeing a lot of clients around uh, their, their small business and, and making sure they are paying the right amount of tax and, and letting them know their position, but as a starting point, what, what is tax planning and what do you need, uh, or what do people out there that have an accountant, what, what do they need to be giving, what do they need to have in place so that tax planning can, can be done?
1: Yeah, for sure, good question. So, Look, one of the critical things for any business or any person is just to know their numbers. So the precursor to coming up with a good strategy to, to seek the right advice around what to do pre-30 June and what to do around uh, making sure taxes as is, is, uh, minimal hit as possible is just to, to have a really good reporting system, up-to-date numbers uh, with the likes of a lot of the online system, zero the live, that, that sort of thing. There's a lot of ability and a lot of automation to give people the right up-to-date numbers, which is the perfect starting point for any accountant, advisor, uh, business person looking to reduce their tax before 30 June.
0: Great. So the days of, of people bringing in the data stick, bringing their data from the, whatever's sitting on their desktop, I guess as soon as that's happening, they're instantly out of date, makes it really hard for, for an accountant to do any sort of tax planning because the moment it's pulled out of that that hard drive, it's instantly out of date. So um, we do a lot of clients with 0 Let's assuming that they've got their numbers up to date. What are some of the things that you would typically discuss with clients around planning their you know, their, their year in tax planning and strategies to, to optimise their tax? Yeah, so <clears throat> often with tax, uh, look, if you're making money, there's some sort of tax
1: to be paid. But there's a, often a few good strategies around um, the timing of when that tax is paid. Uh, Little things, a couple of little things like bringing forward expenses, um, you know, anything that needs to be paid. If it's typically paid and and bought before 30 June, clearly it hits the tax year that it's bought and paid in. Um, It's a whole raft of additional strategies for small business as well. So if you're uh, a business turning over less than $10 million, uh, which is a fair chunk of the economy. There's a heap of um, incentives tax-wise to just improve the timing of taxes. Things like prepaying expenses as a small business, for example, you know, rent is normally due the first of the month. So if you pay your July rent on the 30th of June, then you get to claim that in June rather than July. One of the critical ones though that applies to all businesses is the. the there's sometimes little funny rules around the timing of expenses like super. So everyone who uh, has an employee pays their nine and a half, should be paying their nine and a half percent super. Partially, I guess, to encourage employers to pay super. Super is only tax deductible upon payment as opposed to accruing an expense like most other. Uh, business expenses are are based on. Um, So the June quarter super, which is ordinarily due to be paid by the 28th of July, simply paying that one early as well, paying that towards the end of June brings the tax deduction forward by year. Um, Similar to the rent strategy, you might be out of of pocket cash flow wise for another month, but you might be saving tax on that for a whole year. Uh, But I guess it's really important too with a lot of the um, different structures, different tax rates, around you know with small business companies um, companies that are not small business entities uh, individual tax rates there's good value in making sure the timing of income and sometimes there's a reason to actually push your deduction into the following year if for whatever reason a tax rate is going to be lower in the following year um, so yep. it's just important to get all those ducks in a row and get all the data ready to be able to make some some really
0: educated decisions. And, and on top of that, I guess, with the various structures, there's, there's strategies like uh, potentially if there's a, a company or even a trust, you might be better off declaring a dividend pre or post 30 June and also um, using things like bucket companies and, and those sorts of things to, if you've got some big lumpy income. So, again, does that just come down to really you have to know where you're at? well before 30 June so you can make those decisions in advance.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, And there's very few time-critical decisions to be made, but tax planning and tax strategy is definitely one of those. A lot of the strategies uh, do require some sort of cash movement, Um, even if it's something little like uh, as a business owner, typically any money you put into super for yourself is tax-deductible. Um, and if for whatever reason you're on a you know, decent income in one year and you want to maximize that super deduction, then that has to be paid by the 30th of June. Um, so, and, and that's a particularly important one uh, for people, particularly as they're uh, going through their working life. A lot of self-employed people sort of defer super to right to the end. And, and whilst a lot of people do catch up on it, there is a fair chunk of people who don't. Uh, but importantly, super is generally taxed at 15%. Uh, for contributions made on behalf of business owners up to the relevant limit um, versus company rates of tax, which might be 30 or 27 and a half if you're a small business entity or individual rates of tax, which can be upwards of 47% sometimes. So, yeah, very important to have that right information around whether there's value in doing that or not.
0: Yeah, and, and I guess just uh, adding on to that one, and, and Super is a, a classic one where really, and, and this is why I typically talk about tax optimization rather than tax minimization. Uh, because I guess you need to factor in, you know, everyone can go and put, or it's easy to say, oh, I'll just go and get your tax down by putting the maximum amount into superannuation, being mindful of those contribution caps, obviously. But it's got to fit in with your cash flow and telling, a, say, uh, someone in their early 20s to go and put an additional 20-odd grand into super is probably not going to be the most attack- attractive strategy for them. Um, it may save them some tax, but... I guess this is the balancing between buying or using that strategy versus the the cash flow lockup that that could result from doing that strategy. So for sure, and and I think whilst
1: uh, the couple of months leading up to the 30th of June is always a nice little time to focus on tax and what to do to minimise it. Really, the the true story starts with. Um, the start of the year. It starts with having the right structure in place. And, and some of the work we've uh, been doing recently is around sort of restructuring some small business clients into the right structure uh, for either tax or asset protection reasons. Uh, but having that right structure is pretty important to get right. Uh, but also having some sort of budget or yardstick at the start of the year so that uh, if you know you know, there's going to be a strategy around possibly putting some money in super at the end of the year, that can all be built into a budget early on. So there's no last minute, oh, oh quick, we better find 20 grand to, to dump in super. Um, so, I mean, a lot of that stuff can
0: be planned well in advance. It's amazing the number of people that... Uh, well, you know, on a personal level, sometimes people forget about Christmas coming up, and it's like, well, we've got it. Oh, we're, we're running short of buying the kids money for you know yeah. Christmas, and we're we'll, we'll like, well, you've known about it all year. at the same time every year. Um, yeah. So again, so yeah, having that budget and that plan in place, and, and um, even if the money's just set aside, at least it can be tipped into super, and it's mm. not that big cash imposition. So just before we move, move move on, any any sort of other Quick wins. I know there's a, there's a popular strategy that may be available around um, team vouchers, or that that might be FBT free. Do you want to expand on that and some other fun yeah. ones that you, you <laughs> like to use with your clients? Love to.
1: Um, so broadly, um, the cost of an, an employee is deductible to a business. So, um, yeah, wages, salaries, super, cars, things. You know, cost the cost of retaining. An employees is, is a necessary business and ex, expense and tax deductible to the business, uh, which is the general starting point with any expense. Uh, then the volumes of tax legislation and tax law generally go through a few combinations and permutations as to what's excluded from that test or what's included in that test. Um, so fringe benefits tax has been around since 1987 from memory and, um, and it's. I'm too young to remember that. <laughs> um, so prior to that, um, wages were clearly taxed a little bit. Then employer employers, as, as they do, start getting creative around how to um, game the system a bit, and uh, you know, rents and mortgages and things were provided other than other than wages. Um, so when FBT was introduced, it was um, <clears throat> designed to tax anything other than salary or wages at the top rate of tax so assuming someone's on the um just round it to the 50 percent tax bracket you gave someone a thousand dollar benefit um if that person was on the top rate of tax you would have had to give them two grand they would have lost a grand in tax and left with a thousand dollar benefit so fringe benefits tax is pretty punitive so you generally want to do all you can to avoid that Um, so the FBT rules essentially apply to everything other than salary or wages unless it's specifically excluded. Um, One of the things that is excluded from that test uh, is what they call minor and infrequent benefits. Um, So minor being under $300 on occasion and infrequent being not frequent, (laughs) as as it would be. Um, So a common little strategy um, is, you know, instead of giving employees bonuses or expensive watches or something, the old, you know, two hundred and ninety dollars gift card, as it were, um, under the three hundred dollars limit, FBT free, um, and you know, it, it gets to the employee's hands without losing PAYG or super or any of those other little nasty things on there. Um, so that that can be done on an infrequent basis. There is no hard or fast rule as to how often it can be done. Um, I mean, we generally say a couple of times a year, three or four, perhaps on the on, at the outset on the outside. Um, Yep. The other one's with cars, if I can jump into cars quickly, particularly for your small business person. Um, so as a small business for this year, um, there's this $20,000 instant asset write-off. There's a lot of confusion around how it works. And I think some of the confusion is is driven from the marketing spiel when, when um, tax changes come in. Um, the amount of times I've heard um, educated and, well-educated clients ask about, oh, this twenty-thousand-dollar write-off. Does it mean you get the entire twenty grand back? Um, it's countless because
0: they're taking their tax advice from Harvey Norman ads or or uh, the latest Nissan commercial.
1: Yeah, or the car dealer. Car oh. dealers are great at that. <laughs> yep. Um, and, and I have—I believe it or not—have I have heard the odd, you know, oh, my mate from the pub does this. Um, but the way, so the way the twenty grand instant asset write-off works. Um, as a business, anything you buy is tax deductible. What that means, let's say you're on a 30% tax rate to keep it simple. Um, <clears throat> if you buy something for $100, a you know, nice pen or something, um, then a bit of that might be GST, so you'll get, you might get the GST back, and the balance is a tax deduction. So if you've got a, say, 30% tax rate, then you know, out of the $100 pen, Um, you know, $9 might've been GST. The other $91, you might get 30 bucks or something back on tax, but you're still out of pocket. The other, um, 60 odd dollars. Uh, when, um, a business buys an asset in the past, there was a limit to say anything over a thousand dollars was, um, depreciated over time. Um, it's a, it's a rate that diminishes over time but on average call it five years so you buy something for say 50 grand it's a new um, widget manufacturing piece of equipment Um, over the next five years it's not exactly this but call it 10 grand a year hits your expenses you get back your 30 percent tax on that Um, when they introduced this $20,000 write-up they said rather than depreciating something for $20,000 or under over that five year period, you get to depreciate it in the first year. So same example, um, you buy a nineteen thousand dollar car, if your tax rate's thirty percent, physically comes off your tax bill is thirty percent of the nineteen grand. So yeah, round it up to about six. Yep. Um so <clears throat> with small business people, a quick win is often if you've got a little you know, fifteen thousand dollar car in your personal name, transferring it into the business pre-30 June knocks the income down of the business pre-30 June by that 15-odd grand. Um, you know, and there's some fringe benefits tax to consider, but, but there's a few little um, quick wins
0: like that, that that can happen. Yep. So, uh, and I guess with all these things, just have a chat to your accountant and and they should be able to give you that, that guidance about what to get into the your business entity before 30 June. Um, all right. So, a few, few good uh, little, little tips there. What... You know, so someone's doing their tax planning, they've got the right structure, they've got on top of their numbers and they've got, you know, using cloud accounting and they've got a good dialogue happening with their accountant. Anything else that you you think if, you know, aside from saving tax this year, what do you see in your clients that sets them up for success for the next year?
1: It's often said in business that cash is king, which, you know, people argue, however. Um I certainly think information is king. So, one of the things to set people up for success, um, <clears throat> one of my mentors has a famous saying, which is plan in advance rather than fixing arrears. And that applies to everything in life, but particularly around business and tax and, and finances. Um, insofar as the vast majority of you know, trades and micro business people um, that I've sat down with over the last 15 years, um, the very first meeting you sit down with them, you know, no taxes set aside, and they don't really have an understanding of how much tax should be set aside. And, and because of the delayed nature of tax, often a bill is not due for nine or 10 months later. Um, it's, it's quite hard to pay, play catch up. So one of the best things to set people off for success is to get your accounts, like assuming you've done your tax planning and that's all good and you know exactly where you stand. Come 30th of June, the best thing you do is get your accounts done nice and early. So that if you, there is some refunds to get, you get them back nice and early. Or if there's bills to pay, um, they're often not due for another nine or 10 months. So you can have that cash flow either set aside straight away in an interest account or a savings account. Um, Or at the very least, you've got 10 months to save up for it. And um, just just sort of what I was saying before around having some sort of structured um, plan around how the cash flow and the finances happen for the next year. So that if there are any strategies that we're missed out on around, say, super or any sort of cash flow driven strategies, that, you know, you get a second bite of the cherry next year, you can then start to save for any any cash flow-driven strategies and you've got 12 months to do it.
0: Yeah, love it. And I guess the other uh, side of it, which, I, you know, listeners to the podcast would, would have heard me talk with uh, other, other professionals out there, but having your numbers done and up to date, even if they're just ready to lodge, but you're not going to pay them until till sort of nine months after if that suits your cash flow. Invariably, there will be opportunities that come along the line along the way. And if you haven't got, uh, you know, around buying new equipment, needing finance, needing that, that are going to require lodged financials. And if they're not done, if you're sort of sitting on your hands and doing nothing for nine months and then I worry about it then, that's when urgency comes in and it can mean missed opportunities. Uh, and also, in my experience, people don't like surprises when it comes to tax. I like surprises in life, surprise party, yep, great. But tax, Never, never a good surprise. <laughs> so, you'd rather know nine months out, and at least, even if the answer is, oh, you've got a tax bill, which hopefully that's a function that you've made profit in your business and it's a it's a good thing. Um, the the fear of the or the stress of not knowing is, is can can sometimes be debilitating as well. So, you'd, you'd rather know, have it crystal clear in your mind, and then make plans around that. So, yeah, I I definitely. Um, like your ideas about having some plans in place there. Um, so, thanks for that, Jeremy. So, a little bit about about you and uh, and and what sort of got you to this point in your business life. Mm. So, if we just move on. So, how did you get into your your field advising small businesses?
1: Yeah. So, I. Um in a funny sort of way felt drawn to accounting and and business Um, and and more from the business perspective accounting and tax strategy is great problem solving and and good um, analytical work which I really enjoy Um, but how I got into it so my first year of uh, commerce degree up at Newcastle Uni they had this um, young CA program they called it where a couple of students at the end of the year uh, do some work experience at a chartered firm and I had been told that the Firms that, uh, tend to use that for a bit of recruitment and to get some work experience, you basically got to say you want a job and you'd be happy to work there. Um, so, lo and behold, you get my interview for the work experience and, and repeated those lines and you know, next day, I think I turned up to work, at a job and I uh, was the accountant ever since. Yeah. <laughs> so, that was about 15 years ago.
0: Okay. Yep. And, you know, you're you're out there day to day with small business owners in our, in our business. so. What's the most re- rewarding thing you get out of your role?
1: Yeah, like a lot of, like, I guess, anyone doing anything, helping people is intrinsically rewarding. Um, I guess we're fortunate enough that accounting is a pretty trusted space to be in um, and and often a very poorly understood field. So it's very rewarding for um, most accountants and for me in particular to help people understand finances, to help them understand business, taxes, um, and to sort of see what what drives people and help them build and grow whatever they're trying to build and grow and, and throw in advice where we can um, and set people up with the right structures to protect their wealth and protect their business. And it's very rewarding knowing that someone's really well looked after and that you, you are adding some strategic value to to their lives.
0: Great. And, you know, this is the get to the contest podcast so what's the most important thing for you or or for that matter some of your clients you you might have seen you know one thing that you know that if you focus on that one thing everything else just falls into line but if you don't do it or if you take your eyes off that results tend to not follow as as well as they should
1: yeah for for me um that's relationship so um it's, it's the relationship that drives me with clients but Um, In terms of the one thing to become successful, I think relationship is the main driver for that, whether it's um, with the team here um, in our office, whether it's with our clients, our suppliers. I know that if, you know, um, work product and and timing and things can be a little bit flexible, but if you've got a really strong relationship with your key people, um, then uh, the rest tends to fall into place, I find.
0: Yeah, great. Love it. So, Best decision that you've made in your business career?
1: Ah, well, I think I'm sitting across the table from him. He's my <laughs> business partner, <laughs> so, so that was a loaded question, for not um, No, in all seriousness, I um, I um, most people may may not know my story, but I um, spent five years as an employee, um, thinking about going into business, um, started an accounting uh, and advisory practice from scratch. Which is a lot of hard work. Did that for in close to eight years. Um, you yeah, know, stayed good, very good mates, and and um, had known, you know, worked my business partner for the best part of that eight year period, and and ended up, you know, jumping in board together or on board together, and, and merging a couple of years ago. And one of the best decisions I've made. Um, heaps of reasons. Oh, we see a lot of partnerships, or I see a lot of partnerships, not work out. Um, it, but in our space, particularly in the professional space, there's just such um, having someone at a senior level to bounce things off and to grow something together with. So yeah, sitting across the table from him.
0: Ah, oh, geez, mate. Yeah, well, I definitely won't edit that out of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, um, thank you. Now, now, look. Hopefully, my name doesn't get brought up in, in the next question. What's some of the biggest mistakes you've seen others make in, in 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 business, and and what can we do to avoid those? Yes. Yeah, so often. Um,
1: one of the critical things I think that uh, whether it's life or business that drives success uh, is having a good group of trusted third parties. Um, so fortunately, less and less as time goes on, but occasionally I get people saying, oh, I've done X, Y, or Z. And you think, oh, you perhaps should have done that a bit differently. Um, and sometimes the horse is bolted. So not seeking the right advice is is um, is a massive uh impediment to making good decisions um sometimes but also equally i've seen people um seen a bunch of businesses where uh for whatever reason the business isn't working out and people just inertia on without any plan um and and that's happened a handful of times particularly in um sort of some retail or food-based businesses where um there's um just no plan on how things will change, but people front up to work, you know, 6am every day and notice the grindstone and get to the end of the week, made no money and front up to work the next day. And um, so I, th- I think um, a lot of mistakes come out of not seeking advice or just not, not having a plan, not thinking about something, taking five minutes out to sharpen the saw and, and you know, or a day off to seek some advice and to have a bit of downtime to think about where you're actually going.
0: Yeah, def- definitely. Uh, uh, sadly, it, it becomes very common where, People, they, they just get stuck in a rut and then they're too busy to do anything else but, but the best thing they could do is actually shut the shop for the day or or pay a staff member to come in or a team member to come in and, and then go and, and, and just reflect. So that having that, and that can be with your accountant, but it, it could be with just a, a respected mentor or a, a, someone, out, someone that's outside that can actually, they trust and they can perhaps tell them what they know, but they just need to hear it. Mm. from someone else um definitely i think there's so much value in that and having that that sort of trusted advisor and and if i just add to that that's probably not reflecting on your results or numbers or reflecting with those people often enough as well because even when things are going really well that's also a time when they can add value as well so um because maybe you need to be told that you, you know, need that reassurance that, hey, you're doing really well. And I know in small businesses it can be quite lonely, so sometimes just if things are going well, just having that, that reinforcement from the outside is a bit of a pat on the back for mm. job well done because typically when you're at the, at the top or near the top of your business, you're, you're giving pats on the back and, and feedback to everyone else, but there's very little in terms of positive <laughs> feedback coming back to you. There's plenty of people who like to have a whinge, but very little positive feedback. So having that um, those mentors and those relationships and having regular structure around those, I think is really important. Mm, definitely. So any unusual transactions you've, you've been involved in professionally? Mm.
1: Um, <coughs> yeah, every, uh, every transaction has its little quirks. Some of the more interesting ones that I've been involved in uh, have been acquisitions and divestments for clients. I remember um, one acquisition... Uh, some time ago now, um, of a small-scale airline for a a client and working through um, twists and turns and personalities of vendors and purchases, um, banks and finances, uh, is always... A bit of a challenge in every deal is very different in terms of that. Um, but separately to that, so was-
0: did Richard Branson retain your services after that? Girl, girl, or, uh, <laughs>
1: oh, oh, oh. No, he didn't. no, no. <laughs> it was not <laughs> almost, Richard Branson. Every it, it was not. not. It yeah. was not.
0: Uh, mm. um, all right. What advice would you give yourself from twenty years ago? Admittedly, you're you're uh, in your early thirties, so you, you'd just be a teenager at this point. <laughs> the...
1: Yeah, what advice would I give thirteen year old me? Um, <clears throat> I would give myself advice that I had received, actually, um, not at that time, um, but uh, at a different time in my life. Um, it was actually pre wedding. I, I got this um, piece of advice from a trusted friend of mine who said, "Hey, your wedding day goes so quick." Um, You know, and it is, you you spend 40 grand in a heartbeat. Um, And he said, make sure you just spend a moment, just stop and take it all in. So I distinctly remember on that particular night, um, you know, a room full of 100 people, as a lot of weddings do, just sitting on the windowsill and spending five minutes just looking at people and stopping and, and enjoying the moment for what it is rather than trying to get to the destination. And, I mean, there's plenty of people who say it's all about the journey, not the destination, et cetera. But the advice that I'd give specifically to me around that is um, you do go pretty hard, whether it's life or business, and you're continually driven and goal-focused. But taking not a long moment but enough of a moment just to sit back and enjoy, particularly with good quality people, but just to sit back and enjoy each moment and to celebrate the moment for what it is rather than to be so driven to the goal you sort of put the blinkers on and chase after the goal that makes
0: sense love it love it so no really really good advice there and um and and we're we're all we can all get something out of that one um well jeremy thank you so much for being a part of the the podcast today uh been threatening to have you on for a while (laughs) and uh we look forward to having you on again at some point in the future um perhaps talking a bit about asset protection and, and how to make sure that uh, we're protecting the family home and those sorts of things. So that'll be an episode to keep an eye on it for the future. But uh, hope you, for the listeners out there, hope you enjoyed today's episode. And uh, we look forward to having you uh, at the next week for the next episode. Cheers. Thanks, Matthew. Well, there you have it. That was my chat with Jeremy Fox from uh, Fox Group Chartered Accountants uh, on all things uh, around year-end tax planning. So uh, a couple of my takeaways from this point, so number one, um, tax planning starts with your structure. So um, that doesn't have to be done at 30 June. It's a good good time to revisit it. But you know, getting your structure right is critical to uh, being the most tax effective uh, structure that you can be. Uh, two, having up to the date financials, and, and by that, you know, and ideally having that that data in the cloud. So again. If you're on zero, or, or My Account Right Live or one of the live products, at least then you've got live data, you know where you're at and you can give your accountant access to that and they'll be looking at real-time data. Um, very hard to do tax planning when, when you know, you, you're sort of almost impossible. It is impossible to provide good tax planning advice when you don't have all the details. So uh, number three is good tax planning needs... To also plan for the cash flow uh, requirements around that. It. So it's one thing to say go and go and put some some money and buy some assets, put some money into super. Um, but if you if you haven't uh, sort of thought that through or funded or allowed for that cash flow wise, it can be very difficult to get you your, your your best tax results. So um, really important that you you know if you hadn't done it, at least you should start planning now for next year so that you know you you. Physically have that money set aside, uh, and, and you can take advantage of all those things that are going to require some physical cash payments. Um, four timing of expenses. So this is where Jeremy talked about bringing forward expenses, perhaps delaying income, or, or and also having prepayments of things um, that can really if, if that saves you tax now, um, that at least yeah you know, tax defers, is tax saved. It, 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 takes the pressure off now and allows you to keep that working capital in your business rather than have to give it over to the, the government and if we can delay that 12 months well you know that, that's going to allow you your breathing room and allow your business to grow Jeremy and I talked about uh, again tax, op- tax optimization so again that's not the best tax result may not be the lowest tax answer because you know tax optimization that that covers off things like budgeting for you, you know understanding what next year's tax rates will be. What current year tax rates will be, and also the the cash flow requirements of the business as well. So, um, so that was uh, some of the key points around tax planning. Some of the other things Jeremy touched on that I, I think we can all get a lot out of. So he talked about the importance of just having a plan and, and not not sticking your head in the sand. So if you're a small business owner out there and things are going well or, or maybe not so well, nothing will change unless you've got a plan. So just be across your numbers and be prepared to take that time out of your business. uh, And so that you can stop, pause, reflect, come up some strategies and then take action. So, uh, that's, that's critical. And last thing that Jeremy touched on, which I I really, really, uh, encourage uh, listeners out there who are in small business world to, to really stop and enjoy is just, you know, smell the roses and take time out. Life goes so fast when you're a small business owner, very, very hard to get any, um, Perspective when you're deep within the business, often things are going really well, or or, or they could not be going well, and you would never know because you're always being too busy being busy. So, um, be kind to yourself, take stock, and and you know, really allow yourself to to enjoy those moments because business can be hard, it can be lonely, and if if, if you're not enjoying and taking that time out, um, you'll, you'll burn out. So. Um, There you have it, that's my takeaways from my chat with Jeremy Fox and we look forward to having you on the next episode.